One more time, would you join me in prayer as we pray for those around us this morning? Father, just before we spend time feasting on your word as the bread of heaven and bread of life, we ask you, Lord, by your grace to visit all of those who are suffering loss today. May your compassionate eye regard them where they live. May your providence cement, strengthen, and adorn them. For unless you build the city, we labor in vain who build it. Lord, may the candle of the Lord, as it were, shine on them and your spirit enlighten and renew their souls. May peace and prosperity and friendship and faith always flourish in this neighborhood and this city. Fill our neighbor's troubles with compassion, Lord, so that they may exchange joy for mourning and beauty for ashes, so that those who lament may rejoice with you, and that at length you may share with them the security and the joy of the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, where no flames will be felt except those of love. In the meantime, lift up your eyes on them, and may our eyes be lifted up to heaven in the humble hope and fervent prayer for those around us that true Christian faith would spread throughout the entire world and that faith would prevail in our own hearts that we might faithfully practice and grow in you. So will we understand your loving kindness, Lord, as we live our daily lives and though there be mysteries of providence we cannot explain, we will believe that your paths are mercy and truth and find the truest and securest peace in our passage to everlasting joy. And the church said, amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to James chapter number one, that text that you just heard read, so wonderfully read by our own brother there, Jeremy. Thank you so much. James chapter number one. Years ago, my wife and I were leading a high school Sunday school class, if you can imagine. Yes, we had just barely gotten out of high school ourselves. In fact, I started teaching the high school Sunday school class about a year after I got out of the high school Sunday school class. Needless to say, I did not have positional or physical authority. <laughs> Shocker there. Um, but years ago, uh, the, the pastor of the church that we were attending at the time, it's a church that my wife had attended since childhood and was saved and discipled in, um, we were, uh, this church from way back, another church that he served in Tennessee, a good friend of his had come and was going to preach that morning, and his daughter was the youth leader, and she was coming and spoke in our class, and she shared this expression with us that I'm sure you've heard, but she added a little enhancement, a little upgrade to it. You've heard it. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk, right? And I thought, man, that's powerful, isn't it? I mean, it wasn't hers. That was, that's not original, but here was her little upgrade to it, which stung a little bit, which doesn't really make any sense outside of the church you ready you can talk the talk you might even walk the walk but can you live the death Ooh, even the mic went on death there that's a little um i'm, I'm not even sure i wasn't sure how i interpreted it when i first heard it i probably did something spiritual like mm, mm. i do that a lot when i don't understand things sally will tell you that throughout the week but um 
You can talk the talk, you can walk the walk, but can you live the death? Obviously, death to self is what we're talking about. Spoiler alert there, but the way I interpret it is, I think she was sharing how easy it is for Christians and church folk and those that attend on Sunday morning regularly, faithfully, to talk and say the right things. But what we actually believe affects how we behave. Everything else is just religious talk. And I've got news for you. Nobody out there is vying for religious talk. It's one of my favorite quotes. I, I know I overuse it. I'm so sorry for that. But for those of you that never heard it, it's fresh this morning. Raven Hill says, The world's not looking for a new definition of Christianity, just a real demonstration of Christianity. The Bible says in our text in James 1, in verse 22, it says, And be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You can see the talker there. He's the hearer only. The talker says, yes, I go to church. The talker says, I'm a faithful member of the church. The talker says, I, I say yes and amen to every sermon. I, I love it all. I sing out loud and maybe during COVID in my heart very loudly. I don't know, but I sing. I make melody to the Lord. I'm, I'm all about it. Jesus would say, though, in Mark chapter number seven, that it's possible to say all the right things but have a heart that was far from the Lord. In Mark 7, 6, he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy to you, ouch, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now we'll leave that verse on the screen, but the remaining two verses for context says, In vain they do worship me. Process that. Saying the right things, singing the right songs, lifting up your hands at the right moment, and worshiping in vain. Teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Now, just as a side note here, we should talk like we've got some sense. We should sound like we've been redeemed. We should, as the psalmist said, say, Lord, set a guard over my mouth and adore uh, over my lips, right? And, and help me to say and speak words of life to everybody. But we're not after just people talking right. The world doesn't need a new speech. The world needs some Christians who will be about their father's business. Our conversation should definitely honor the Lord, but you've heard me say this before, our video and our audio need to sync up. Talk the talk. How about walking the walk? I thought that's where that was most, I mean, that's really important. Yeah, but as you bear down on the last part of this text, you see this morning that it's very specific that there's help for those who are vulnerable. Do you see that? Walking the walk. It's worth noting that the church is not the only entity that helps people in need. There are other relief and humanitarian organizations that are very effective and supremely efficient in their missions with the masses, and I am thankful for so many of them. So it's not just about us doing good things and helping those who are in need. The Bible never just deals with one aspect of a matter, does it? It goes after us. Remember, we're not human doings, we're human beings. The one word I had you say in Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you that you should be my witnesses, not go and do witnessing as if it's a punch card to punch. 
We're not human doings, we're human beings. Some personality types are more prone to action, walking the walk, but it's possible that their heart isn't pure and their motives don't glorify God. What does the Bible say? Well, I don't have it on the screen for you this morning, but just think with me, if you will, please. It's a haunting text from Matthew 7. Let me read it to you. Jesus speaking says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Oh, good. So do good things. Listen to what he says. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not, watch this, prophesy in your name. They were proclaiming the word of God in the name of Jesus. Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? Not only were they talking the talk, they were walking the walk. And Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now that's a whole sermon in and of itself. That it's possible to talk the talk, walk the walk, be on the cover of Christianity Today and be a worker of lawlessness. What's the difference? God is after all of you. He wants that heart. The Pharisees were great examples of these. They put their faith into action, but they forgot that the Lord rejects the boastful. They walk the walk, but the boastful, the Bible says in Psalm 5, will not stand before his eyes. The Lord hates evildoers, the scripture says. James 1:26, back at our text, if anyone thinks he's religious, thinks he's religious, and doesn't bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. So there are some that like walking it out. The one who almost has it. These are people that show up when it's time to work and we're grateful for them. We couldn't get stuff done, but you know how church is. I can't leave that alone. These are folks that walk it out but can't control their tongue. Now, I don't mean they're cussing and fussing all the time, although let's just go there. We shouldn't be carrying on like that, right? It's hard to, you know, we, we shouldn't need a, a, a parental warning at a church function. Just saying. Um, I don't think we deal with that here. I hope not, and maybe not going forward if we have in the past. <laughs> these are people who want to do cool Jesus stuff, but they make sure everybody knows what they're doing. Have you met these folks? They self-publish all the time. They're more concerned with building their brand than they are actually doing the work. They're more concerned with being influences for sta- influencers for status' sake than they are being under the influence of the Holy Spirit in a secret place that nobody knows about. We have raised a generation of pastors and leaders who are living like a celebrity instead of dying to self. They have been marketed, but they have not been marked by God. Instead of Matthew 6, 3, Jesus saying, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. We want to live tweet and live stream with our left hand while our right hand's doing and then get ticked off when we don't have a lot of likes within a few minutes on social media platforms. You may talk the talk, you may walk the walk, but God is after more than that to be about our Father's business in our communities in a way where Christ shines the brightest. We have to live the death that he's calling us to live. Can you live the death? What a question. It seems morbid. But it throws me immediately, as it did you that have had time to think on it for a moment, I'm sure, to 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, I die every day. Why? Because he wants to exalt Christ Jesus, his Lord. 
1 Peter 2, the Bible says Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. The world will be satisfied for you to come and be a pew potato on Sunday. The world will be tickled for you to engage in social justice outside the walls of the church as long as it matches their causes. But the Lord Jesus Christ wants all of you all the time and he wants you to shine brightly for him dying to self and living to righteousness daily dying to this celebrity addicted culture painfully but with the help of the holy spirit with the great comforter the wonderful savior comes alongside us and helps us put to death our pride put to death our need for congratulations and self congratulation Put to death our self-centered, self-advancing, self-preserving ways. Put to death our pleasure-driven, adrenaline-addicted, or leisure junkie, me-focused motives. We need to put to death all of this. Why? Because Christ's great love for us is making us new. Because it's not just love for us and on us, it's his love in us. And he's glorified when others see his love work through us. More than anything, we want a desire to love one another with brotherly love and kindness. We want our whole lives to reveal the gospel as we outdo one another with showing honor. We really do want to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. We really will continue to turn that theology into biography on the streets, but we can't do it without the help of God. The Lord wants to work this out in us. Verse 27 from James 1, our text this morning, religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Do you see the selfless? The baseless outworking, or the, sorry, the baseline, sorry, outworking of a pure religion that is focused on Jesus and looking out for others. Back in the 80s, uh, a phrase emerged that took hold in the church growth movement when they said, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. They're still with me, those of you watching online. The crowd mic was just turned down. That was a ruckus response. I almost was... Knocked off my feet at Grace Covenant, corner of South and East in Charlotte. So, 10 o'clock, see you Sunday. It's not just a religion, it's a... We fixed the mic that time, just, just for you. And while that's true, some of us extrapolated from that that it's a private matter. No, 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 no friend. Your relationship with Christ is a personal matter, but it's a public matter. You were called to live it out in community in the local church. You were called to stand as ambassadors of hope and grace and love and peace and joy to a lost and dying and tasteless world to be salt and light. Kind of to unpack that statement, better would be like this. Biblical Christianity is not just an outward religion of showing up to hear about God things, then doing enough stuff so that we look like church folk. No, it's an all-out surrender because we are madly in love with this Nazarene from the other side of the globe. To the Lord Jesus Christ, 
leaning into and being led by the Holy Spirit, obedience to the Scriptures, submitting to one another in the context of the authority of the local church, and doing this and getting relationships that affect and give shape to our views, our affections, our passions, and our conversations. Let's think about that text from James 1. I'm going to give you some really specific application that Grace Covenant folk are going to light up about because it's so close to the DNA of Grace Covenant. If you think back on our text this morning, we started with, and don't be a hearer, be a doer. Because if you just hear, you can be deceived. In fact, it's possible to sit in a pew or theater-style chairs or wherever you sit or sit holding a screen and listen to podcasts and listen to this century's best expositors and teachers of the Word of God and read the best books. It's possible to do all that and be deceived into thinking you're okay because you know a lot of stuff. Knowledge puffs up, the Bible says. I'm okay. I, I think I'm okay. You're not okay. And it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. The relationship that you were made to have by God the Creator that you don't currently have because of your sin, you can have because of the sacrificial life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can have it today if you'll repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Him. Because you won't do that unless you're being drawn by the Father. We can't just hear Say, nice sermon, boy, and then go live our me-focused lives when we leave our church buildings or the stream ends. No, doing looks like this in our text this morning. Doing means being engaged in pure religion, which is gospel revealing. We're blessed in our doing. We get to stand before the Lord in verse 27. Verse 26 says we have a bridled tongue. We don't have delusions of grandeur in serving when we do it God's way. We visit the afflicted, verse 27, the orphans and the widows, and we keep ourselves unstained. Let me touch two parts of that verse and then application. The tone of verse 27 reveals, I think, conduct more than it does just a specific group of people. It says the widows and the orphans. Those are valid and likely necessary groups, but they are in um, addition. Uh, There are other, sorry, there are other Valid and likely groups, but they're in addition to these, not in the place of these. This is a picture of the local church, a family, a fellowship, a flock, a body, running to stand in the gap for the, here are the two words I want you to leave with this morning, voiceless and the vulnerable. The vulnerable, the the widows that are mentioned here, the voiceless, the orphans that are mentioned here. There are 10,000 children in the foster care system in North Carolina presently. 10,000 children. Ashley and I know, as many of you do, of several families that have adopted or are in the process of adopting. What a privilege. There's so many more opportunities that we can explore as the church. 10,000 children in the foster care system in North Carolina. Last year, there were 200 free and clear in the Mecklenburg County area. That means at no cost to an adopting family, they could be taken and fostered and adopted. Uh, Remarkable. 1,200 churches plus in Mecklenburg County. Think about the math there. 
All right, so there's orphans and, and then widows. And of course, the Bible speaks of widows indeed, truly those that have a significant need with no family around them and the church is their only family. I love the way that Grace Covenant cares for widows and widowers here, but praise the Lord, they also have family around them. So we're there to make sure those things are, and needs are being met. I'm grateful. But what are some other folks that would fit under the vulnerable and the voiceless category? How about prisoners? Homeless? Sick? Elderly? Marginalized? How about the families or the men and women who are considering abortion? If you think about that in the context of what it means to orphan a child, these are parents who are, are choose, choosing and they're arranging for a permanent separation. What about that last phrase in the verse? Keep ourselves unstained from the world. The word there for world is cosmos there. It can be simplified as this, right? When I was young, uh, to the kids in the room, when I used to hear them say, don't be like the world, but then the one verse I had memorized was John 3.16, which said, God so loved the world. I'd be like, er? Right? Like, what is, how do you, what is that about? Well, they're kind of the same thing. God did love the whole world with all of its brokenness and sinfulness so much that he gave his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a verse we all know. It's a verse they still hold up the reference at ball games when they do that again. Though I haven't seen any of the little fake people holding up the sign. No? anyway so um, it's still a verse that we use but when I think about that this what this is saying is this worldview system that that stains the thinking of the believer as we follow Jesus with courageous abandon we will keep ourselves from being stained like this stained like those believing that we're the center of the universe and that everything's for our pleasure being stained by thinking Jesus Christ is just a ticket out of hell and church is just for Sunday. Being stained by desiring happiness more than holiness. Being stained by not submitting to one another in the authority of the local church. We're, we can be stained by this worldview. We want to keep ourselves from the stains of a worldview, watch this, that would reduce the love and care of the needy as a function of the state. Be stained by a worldview that would try to reduce and minimize the life and death of the unborn to being a political issue when it's not. Being stained in a way that would cause us, the church of the living God, to speak of children in our midst as a burden or an inconvenience that complicates our lives and dreams instead of the heritage that the Lord pointed to. Finally, as we follow Jesus with courageous abandon, we will keep ourselves from being stained with an unbiblical version of Christianity that has us saying, as long as I do the couple of things I want to do, I'm good. Don't mess. I'm not showing up for anything else. I'm done. I just want to stay comfortable and safe here. I want to focus on the here and now and not take advantage of the faith-filled adventure that Jesus is calling us to. In contrast between the hearer and the doer, the hearer looks in the mirror, forgets, right? We publish things about ourselves and then we totally forget what we've done versus the one who looks into the perfect law of freedom. He perseveres. It gives shape to his life's course. The person who hears and does the word and dies to self puts faith into action and is blessed. His worship leaves the building. So we've heard the word of the Lord. We confess that we are beings, not doings, but there's a lot to do. 
to be about our Father's business in our community. The text that was just about widows and orphans, is it just about widows and orphans? No, I mentioned to you it's about the vulnerable and the voiceless. Grace Covenant has a rich history about being about our Father's business in the community. It's known and started with some of the most vulnerable and voiceless. Years ago, the ministry Changed Choices was launched to incarcerated women. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 to remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them and those who are being mistreated since you are also as like you're also in the body. For some of our legacy members and longtime Grace Covenant family, I know you're familiar with the ministry and you could probably tell me more than I could say from here. But if you haven't checked in lately, there's a lot happening. There's so much going on in the recent days and months of changed choices. When I think of prison ministry, when I first discovered it, you know what I thought it was about? I thought it was about faithful men and women going into the prisons and leading an evangelistic rally or holding a Bible study. And it is that. It's, it's, it's so much of that. And I'm so grateful for that. That's what prison ministry is for a lot of churches. But it's changed choices. It's so much more. That's barely even the tip of the iceberg Change Choices serves the ladies at the local detention center, watch this, as chaplain's assistants, mentors, life skills instructors, and professional counselors. That's one phase of what they do. They also disciple incarcerated women who will commit, who will commit to a two-year discipleship process while they're incarcerated. They connect with them and connect them to a pre-release care manager, a pen pal, a Bible study coach, card writers, and more. Just by show of hands, Chase, if you could pull out and get a wide shot, I don't know if you'll get anybody in the shot, but just by show of hands, I'm wondering this morning, how many of you have ever served Change Choices as a pen pal, Bible study coach, you've written a card, you've interacted with an inmate at some point over the life of Change Choices? Just some hands up in the room. Look, just various and sundry hands. Uh, those of you watching online, if you're driving, please put your hand down, but... There are some at home that we know are vitally connected to this ministry. That's not all they do. They continue to disciple the women after they re-enter the community. They help with housing, employment, and family reunification. The voiceless and the vulnerable, incarcerated women, those in prison, are still fellow image bearers who need the same security, the same significance that all of us do. So we talk about Let's serve, let's go, let's be doers. I'm giving you very specific ways that we as Grace Covenant do this. They don't just need a check from us every month. They need some of us to be card writers and mentors and connectors and encouragers. For those of you watching online, there's already a link on the feed to show you how to connect with Change Choices. And for everybody in the congregation, an email comes out about 11.15 this morning with links to all this stuff. The vulnerable in our communities, though, also includes children. Children, the Bible says, are in need of teaching. And we've been ministering to children for years through the ministry of faith, hope, and love. About on Friday afternoon, I placed a robust list on our church website with the scriptures linked to each point about what the Bible says about ministering to children. A quick survey reminds us that children need to be instructed. Teach your children. This is right in the Shema. Teach your children daily. Teach the covenant commandments of God to your children. 
We've got to remember that children were a focus of God's ministry. Jesus heals children in Luke 7 and 8. He welcomed them in Mark 10. He uses children as examples of humility in, Mark, in Luke 18. He warns of judgment for those who harmed them in Mark, Matthew 18, and he values them. 20 years ago, these truths came to bear as Grace Covenant Church launched Faith, Hope, and Love. We probably heard the most about this incredible ministry over the year, the last year and a half since I've been here. Many of you are actively serving now or connected in some way, but this is an active discipling ministry to these precious children through mentoring, and it's focused on their spiritual and their academic growth. They still need mentors. Some of you have been praying and saying, God, I want to serve you. I want to do something. I know it's crazy out there and there are lockdowns and lock-ins and all these kind of things are locked up. But Lord, I want you to unlock the gifts that you've given me. I want to be useful. You want to touch generations, plural, because you're not just ministering to a child. You're touching the whole family. You want to touch the nations? Become a mentor at Faith, Hope, and Love. You can connect with them. Uh, I think we all, most of us know, but in case you don't, we're some of our newer attenders. Christy, would you kind of hold a hand up there? Good. She's awake. She heard that one request. This, I'm just kidding. I'm messing, with I'm messing with you, Christy. That's Christy. Connect with her after service. Socially distanced, of course. And mass, but still, connect with her and find out how you can connect. But there are a few more opportunities for us as Grace Covenant Church. Children, the Bible says, are also worthy of protection. Now, we've got this long legacy of supporting these two ministries visibly. They're worthy of protection. God is on the side of the vulnerable. When children are neglected, abused, victimized, God grieves. Jesus strongly advocates for their protection and condemn those that would harm them. I believe in new and greater ways God's calling us to stand in the gap for abortion-minded women and men. And to stand in the gap for the life of the unborn. Abortion is not a political issue. It's not a calendar issue either. I'm very much aware that today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's Sanctity of Life Sunday because we've legislated a culture of death in this nation. That's why. That was a response to an evil. But I'm not preaching it because of that. I'm preaching it because this is how we serve in our community. Abortion is not a political issue. Abortion is a discipleship issue. It's a gospel opportunity. Since I've taken this pulpit, you've heard me talk about this terrible stain on our city and our nation multiple times. And for the 29 years before I stood behind this sacred desk, you heard Pastor Darren McGrew do the same thing. Here's some startling stats for you. We have the largest abortion mill in the southeast right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Abortion is the leading cause of death in our city. 150 to 250, because Planned Parenthood won't disclose what all they do, but 150 to 250 babies are aborted every week. One out of three women and men will have an abortion in their lifetime, and 73% of those identify as Christian. There are now a four abortion centers in Charlotte. Your city council hid and put under clandestine operations as Planned Parenthood was launching theirs and didn't disclose that that's who was coming to town until it was too late for anybody to do anything about it. They're the one closest to the church, actually. 
That's the reason this church has faithfully given money to the Human Coalition for years. That's a pro-life pregnancy center in Charlotte. It's a wonderful ministry, but there's more. We're not motivated by abortion. We're motivated by the love of God. Jesus says in John 10, I have come that they might have life, but the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. In the very near future, we'll partner with organizations like Love Life Charlotte. It's an incredible opportunity for us to proclaim the truth in a loving and peaceful way. It's also a way for us to pray with other churches, 170 partner churches in Charlotte, North Carolina that have partnered to pray for the end of abortion and for the women who've been tragically affected by it and the men and children who've been impacted by it. But they don't just stand at the abortion mills and say, don't do this. They pray, they engage. One of our own is a sidewalk counselor. Dr. Edith is a sidewalk counselor and she goes out every week Standing on the sidewalks, trying to engage. Autumn Lowry, regularly engaged in the fight. Mark Likens, regularly engaged. Standing there as beacons of hope and life and love at some of the darkest places in our city. Since its launch, more than 2,000 babies have been saved and 70,000 people just like you have shown up, quiet little church folk, showing up to pray and to do something. And a 100 or more kids are in the process of being adopted. So this is when the church shows up, not to say, hey, don't do that, but to say, hey, please don't do that. We'll help. We'll pay all the bills. We'll adopt the kid. We'll help. Partnering is not a protest. It's just us showing up to be about our Father's business. It's not a pro-life cause that we're simply gonna write a check to. It's a gospel and discipleship opportunity at some of the darkest places in our city and we're gonna show up for it. Yes, it's Sanctity of Life Sunday, but we're not motivated by abortion to make statements like this. We are motivated by the love of God to be doers and not hearers only. Romans 2, the Bible says that it's not hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How will you engage? There's so many other ways and so many other people groups who need help in our community, but we can't skip over what Scripture says about the voiceless and the vulnerable. I'm dedicating quite a bit of time in February to research some more effective ways that we as a church family can engage our homeless community and neighbors in the South End. More to come on that. I'm looking for gospel-centered, gospel-revealing ways to do that. Grace Covenant has a long and rich history of being intentional about reading our community in innovative ways. We're going to build on that as a church, and I couldn't be happier. I'm challenging you this morning to be about your father's business. Would you stand with me this morning? While the musicians are coming and we're about to worship the Lord, and I'll say something about that just before we do. I'm challenging you this morning to continue to be faithful and generous in your giving so that we can do more with these local ministries. Do you know a portion of what you give to Grace Covenant Church, not only does nearly 20% of our revenue earmarked for international missions, that money goes to support these other local ministries in direct and indirect ways. What a blessing. We need to do more. I'm challenging you to connect with Change Choices if you haven't. Get on their mailing list at least so you know how to pray. I'm challenging you to connect with Faith, Hope, and Love 
if you haven't. If you have in the past, maybe it's time to rekindle that. I'm challenging you to connect with a human coalition here in Charlotte. I'm challenging you to connect with Edith or Mark or Autumn and find out what it's like to be at one of those abortion mills as an ambassador of hope and love and life. And I'm challenging you to connect with me. <laughs> connect me to gospel-centered homeless ministries that you know about. I want us to do more and to do better. Don't just do something. Don't just talk the talk. Don't just walk the walk. Do it in a way that's gospel-revealing, which exalts Jesus and minimizes us. Now, we're about to sing and uh, very much aware of all that's going on in our community with the COVID numbers and such. Here's the thing we know. We have researched this to the hilt. And the way that we're singing, because you all are behaving with masks on, uh, we're able to do what we do and because we dismiss right after we sing. So this is a wonderful time. But if you want to sing in your heart to the Lord, you're welcome to do that. But if you want to sing through that mask, you're welcome to do that too. Let's worship the Lord now and respond to our message this morning with singing.